said, what, you don't have any Father's Day sermons? Uh, let me get my mic on, I believe. I don't have it on. Are we on now? Here we go. Um, so, uh, and I was picking with my dad yesterday. I said, Dad, I've got my sermon down to an hour. Are you coming? I didn't get much of a response. <laughs> but uh, it is Father's Day, and uh, blessed to be in a godly family, and I have a godly father. And uh, blessed to be in a family that the godly fathers go way back to my great-great-great-grandfather, uh, John Ingram Stadler, who was a pastor. On, on both sides of my dad's family are godly men. On both sides of my mom's family, godly men that loved through the ages. It is an amazing thing to know that the Lord Jesus Christ touched lives. My great-great-grandfathers were immigrants from Germany. And they came to this country and still loved the Lord and shared the gospel down through their lineage, down to me. It is Father's Day, and I want to start off by asking every father to please stand if you can. Praise the Lord. I'd like to know uh, who the father is with the youngest child here today. Do we have anybody with a child under a year? Under two years. All right. Kevin over there has got a child under two years. kind of knew that one, but I was just going to make sure. All right. We're going to go with the fun one now. All those men in this congregation that are, have, that are fathers and are 80 years above, please rise. Hey, Ken, aren't you 80 now? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was like horseshoes. You were close. If you were 80 years of age, raise your hand. All right. All right, we're going to go with the next question. You can raise your hand for this. Are you over the age of 85? All right. How about 86? 86. 87. 88. 89. 90. I know we got one 90 in the building. He's mine. I claim him. He's mine. What a blessing today. You know, I'm going to start off with a Father's Day story that, uh, to share before I get into the message. Young man grew up in the South. Wonderful family. Friends, neighbors. But he struggled through life. He struggled as a young man. He struggled in school. In the fourth grade, he got sent back to the third grade because he was struggling. Later on, another year ago, his parents decided, well, we'll send him to private school. That'll help him. He'll get more attention there. So they sent him. He was there a couple of years, and he came back. He was still struggling. And one day, there was a parent-teacher conference. And uh, on the way home from the school that day, the 
The mother turned to the boy and said, look, your dad wants you to know that you're going to be all right. Because he told me, he said, you are smart. You may not learn like other people. You may not do the same things other people do. But you're smart, you're kind, you're caring, and you love people. And that young man grew up to be me. I found out later in life as I got older that I have a reading disorder. Words and numbers, letters and stuff don't add up. So if I make a mistake reading something today, you've got to forgive me. But uh, I ask for your forgiveness now. But that comes from the, I knew I was loved. I knew I had parents and fathers that loved me. And they had parents and fathers that loved them all down through the generations. And more importantly, they knew they had a Savior that loved them. It didn't get any better than that. And my, my sermon today is on covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. What is a covenant? We think about the Old Testament. There were covenants, blood covenants. There was a blood covenant with Noah. There was a blood covenant with Abraham, Moses, David. And the most important blood covenant was with Jesus. I'm going to be reading from the Genesis uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And then Abram was 90 years old and nine. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the mighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make a co my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, and saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, the father of many nations, have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will be, I'll make thee nations of thee and kings shall come from thee and I shall establish my covenant between me and thee and the seed after thee in the generations for everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to the seed thereafter. That was a covenant and we know if, we, if you know this scripture right here it was a blood covenant because Abraham was then told by God to go and circumcise everybody under his tent. Every young man and grown man had to be circumcised. It was a blood covenant between God and Abraham. And at that time, Abraham didn't have a, a seed, a son to go by. But he believed that the almighty God was going to provide Blood covenant of circumcision for Abraham. We go fast forward to one of my favorite characters in the Bible is David. King David, the greatest king in all of Jewish uh, history. Even today, he's still considered the greatest king. But David, as a young boy, 
invoked the covenant of Abraham himself. And I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 37. And David said unto Saul, My servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered him out of the mouth. And he rose against me. I can't. He, <clears throat> I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. The servant slew both the, la- the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be the same. Shall be one of as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. Will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, that the Lord be with thee. Now, David was just a young man. He had already been scoffed by his brothers and shamed by his brothers. And, you know, oh, why, you know, you're just making fun of him because he was this young, small man. But David knew where he came from. All the armies of Israel stood on the hillside looking across and were afraid to go into battle against this Philistine giant called Goliath. You know, little history about our country. When it was founded, George Washington believed in the covenant of Jesus Christ. His inaugural address, after he got through, he placed his hand on the Bible in Genesis chapter 49, verse 50. He put his hand where Jacob blessed his sons. He called all of his sons together and he blessed them and sent them out just before he died. President George Washington prayed a blessing that this nation would be great and it would serve God. That it would be a godly nation. He prayed for a covenant between this country and God. You know, and I've heard it said just recently by somebody said, you know, God loved the children of Israel because he chose them to be his people. And this man said... He loves us because we chose him. I believe that. We chose to serve God as a nation. In 1 Samuel, as I read on further, chapter 17, verse 40 through 46, we go to the battlefront with David. And David took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his uh, shepherd's bag which he had even in his script and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came out and drew near unto David and said, And the man that bears the shield went before him. And the Philistine looked at about and saw David. He disdained him for the, he was but a youth. 
and a fair complexion, a fair, a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou shalt comest to me without, with this stave? And the Philistine cursed David and his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thee, give thy flesh unto the fowl of the air and to the beast of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, and I come with thee in the name of the, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord deliver thee into my hands, that I will smite thee and take thy head from thee and give it thy carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowl of the earth, into the wild beast of the earth, there and the, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. David knew his scripture. He knew the word of God and he believed it. He invoked before Goliath himself the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is God and all his angels. God and all his angels, he invoked that at that moment, was on his side. And we know that David didn't just walk down there. He ran towards Goliath, put one of those stones into his sling and flung it at him. And we know it sunk into his head and Goliath fell to the earth. David invoked the covenant of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob that day because we, we know he did because you uncircumcised Philistine defies the army of God. And David was not going to stand for that. David would not stand for that. You know, there are many times in our lives we know people in our lives that stand on the covenant of God. That believe the word of God and they share the word of God with, and they're, most of the time they're just humble people. You know, there was a, just a quick story about a man by the name of, um, let me get it right now, make sure I got the name right. Um, For a second there, I've lost the name. I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, I'll just add lib for a second here. There was a young man. There was a man who lived in Kentucky. I remember the story correctly. And he was a Sunday school teacher. And he was burdened for one of his students. And I may have the, the, the state wrong, but he was wor worried about one of his students. And he went to visit the young man. And the young man uh, was at work. And I guess that he went in there and spoke to him while he was at work. And while he was at work, he led the young man to Christ. Because he was burdened for him. That young man was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody became a man who reached two continents for Christ. Became a great evangelist. He then went on to preach the gospel. Another young man came to his uh, one of his um, 
crusades. And this young man became an evangelist. We go on for two or three evangelists there, and we finally find a man by the name uh, of Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham came to North Carolina and preached the gospel. As he preached the gospel, the second night there, a young man had been coming for two nights in a row. His nickname was Billy Frank. All his friends called him Billy Frank. That second night there, Billy Frank gave his life to the Lord. Billy Frank was Billy Graham. Billy Graham reached 2.2 billion people for the Lord. Because a Sunday school teacher was burdened for D.L. Moody. You never know whose life you're going to touch if you believe in the promises of Jesus Christ. You never know whose life you're going to touch when you believe that. And the, we have the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the greatest covenant is when Jesus died on the cross. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 19 through 20, and he took the bread and gave it and break it and gave it to, unto them and saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this is the cup and the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. The word New Testament in a lot of the uh, different uh, versions of the Bible means covenant, new covenant. Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to die on the cross for you. It's a new covenant day. And that's why every time we take communion, we to remember this new covenant that Jesus died on the cross that we would have eternal life. We know this because all throughout the whole Old Testament, you know, Pastor Mark has been teaching on, just recently on Moab, was the Redeemer. All through the Old Testament, you can find that God was going to send a Redeemer to us. He was going to send a Redeemer to us. He was going to send His Son. John 3, 16, which is a verse everybody knows, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the covenant, the blood covenant of Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross that you and I shall have eternal life. And it's my question to myself today, as we go through life, are we crying out and invoking the blood of Jesus in our lives? Are we invoking that blood covenant with our Lord and Savior in our lives? You know, when I was growing up in the Methodist Church, uh, in the 70s, they started a movement called the Late Witness Mission Program. If you were in the Methodist Church at that time, you'll remember that program. 
they came to Lowe's Church. It was kind of supposed to give you a boost in the arm. And a, and a humble man by the name of Kent Pilgrim came to our church. And he was a oil guy, sold heat and oil out of in uh, Currentsville, North Carolina. Humble man, loved the Lord. He came there and he came the first time. And two years later, he came back. And then he, he came to my mom and dad and said, look, I would love to have y'all come and join us on Lakeland's Mission Weekends to go to other churches that we might give another church a boost in the arm and invest in other churches. And we did. And for years, at least once a year, my family would join in with Kent Pilgrim and this team of people and going to these other churches. And I'm here to tell you today, God sent Kent Pilgrim into our lives to change our lives forever. There was this humble, godly man who believed in the covenant blessing of Jesus Christ. And he was doing everything within his power to do that. He was just a humble man. And he changed my family and I'm sure countless families' lives because he went into the world and shared the gospel and encouraged people. And you never left Kent on a Sunday afternoon after we were departing. Where he, especially if you were a young person in his group, he'd look you in the eye and he'd say, Bentley, Bent, Cheryl, Cam, my brother and sister, live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. That would be his parting plea. Live for Jesus. We serve a mighty God who's provided all we need. He has blessed me with beyond compare. I have a wonderful wife, two wonderful boys. As I said earlier, I've raised in a wonderful family, married into a wonderful family. It doesn't get any better than that, except for the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, and as I was preparing this message today, and I was thinking about things to share, and, you know, I recently was humbled, I went to a, a funeral recently, a few months back, to a funeral of a lady I didn't know very well, met her just a handful of times probably, and as I sit and listened in the service that day, not only was I amazed by this lady's life, I was amazed by the life of her and her husband. That God had touched their lives in such a way that it was undeniable that they knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and they were doing everything that they could in their humble way to serve God. For over 40 years, they served as Sunday school teachers for the youth in their church. For over 40 years, this was the amazing thing to me. They had a Bible study in their home for the kids in their neighborhood. It wasn't good enough. You know, they loved the kids in their youth and they were always welcome in their home. But they reached out to their children in their neighborhood. 
They didn't want those children to miss out on the opportunity of knowing Jesus Christ. They believed in the covenant blood of Jesus Christ on that cross. And they wanted to share it that nobody would miss out. Because let me tell you, the Bible clearly tells us there is two eternal lives. There's two of them. One is eternal life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the other one is hell. There's two eternal lives. This couple was doing all they could to make sure that the, the young people that they knew chose the eternal life of Jesus Christ. That couple was Paul and Evelyn Robinson, Edie Statter's mother and father. I left the service that day, and all I could think of as I walked out, I wished I had known them better. And as I got in my truck that day to go home, all I could do was cry. And I cried out to God, God, I am not worthy to be considered in the same place with Paul. And if, I, I, I don't deserve it. What a testimony. They love the Lord with all that. And I'm, you know, That's why I love David, King David so much. He was a man after God's own heart. And I pray that we are all after God's own heart. But they lived it in their daily lives. What a testament. I am sure like uh, the lives that have been changed by the humble, school, the humble Bible school teacher in his church there that ended up reaching continents for and billions of people through D.L. Moody and Billy Graham. How the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob changed the whole world. How a, young, a man in the name of Kent Pilgrim changed lives all over North Carolina and the Southeast. And a couple changed lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. And who knows what will come from what they did, from the lives that they changed. I believe, it's my understanding that the day she passed away, she was writing letters to people in her church and friends and family encouraging them. The day she slipped into to see the face of God. What a testament for all of us. And my question as I close today are we as believers invoking the covenant of Jesus Christ's blood on the cross for our families, for our wives, husbands, children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, church members, co-workers? Are we invoking the blood of Jesus Christ over our family and friends and people we come in contact do they see that in us? Do they see that in us? Do they see in us the living God, Jesus? You know, I just think about David as this young man who, with everybody else, 
against him. And that's where we are in this world. Everybody is, you know, the, 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 the church is under attack in this world today. And people go, well, the, the Lord's going to come anytime now because it's the worst it's ever been. That is not true, I don't believe. I believe Noah saw the worst it had ever been. Because Noah's family was the only one spared. There was not one other person worth redeeming. And God destroyed the world and started all over again. This world is not in that shape right now. There are billions, I believe, of Christians in this world that love the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we but invoke the name of Jesus Christ and His blood sacrifice on this nation that we love and around the world, I believe God will change the hearts of millions and millions of people. You know, I do not believe that God is going to come until that happens. I don't know when the Lord is going to return. But we do not live in the worst times it's ever been. I do not believe. I believe the world has found new ways to be bad and sin. But we do not live in the worst it's ever been. We live in a great country that was founded on godly principles. I ask you today, are you and I invoking the blood of Jesus Christ in our lives? I'm going to ask the praise band to come on up. As they come on up, I'm just in closing. I'd just like to say that it's been an honor today to share the word, and I hope that what I have said today uh, it's something that we'll, we can all take home. It has been something that has stirred my heart writing it and putting it down. And before they play, I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I just give you praise and thanks for this day, this Father's Day, Lord, that we honor Father. More importantly, Lord, we honor you as our Lord and Savior. And I ask that you would be with each of us here, dear Lord, as we go into our different directions this week, dear Lord. But I pray if there be anybody here, dear Lord, if there's someone here today, Lord, that needs to, to make a change, whether they don't, haven't given their life to you yet, Lord, or not, where they're going to come down and pray for someone else. Lift up a, a loved one, a, a child, a grandchild. Lord, I pray that you would uh, touch their heart, that they wouldn't hesitate to come forward and seek the covenant blood that you shed for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray as the, the praise group plays and sings, Lord, that if there be a need within this body, Lord, that they would come down and bow the knee and invoke your name in the blood of Jesus. In your son's name we pray.